You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Air Station One podcast. That's right, folks. It's an artist spotlight tonight, but a very special one because we actually have the artist actually joining us tonight. That's right. Tonight's topic is this artist spotlight on Fred Hembeck. And, you know, folks, Fred has been around for quite a long time. It's probably, what, the late 70s, I think. And he's, you know... He's destroyed both the Marvel and DC universes single-handedly. And, you know, that's a feat only – I don't even think Thanos could have done that. So it's pretty cool. He was only able to destroy half the universe with a snap. So Fred did it, and he did it with class, which was even better. So it's going to be a great time to talk to him tonight. And a man who is going to, you know, make universes, create universes, then destroy them, Mr. Mike Gordon. It's pretty cool. Howdy! You excited about this one, buddy? I am. I am. Uh, Fred Hembeck is somebody that uh, I, an artist, a cartoonist, I guess we'll say, that uh, I have uh, long since admired. Uh, long, I mean, I can remember reading uh, the back of uh, the DC Comics and his strips as a kid. Like, they just were great. So, And I've never had a chance to meet him before. So this is uh, the next best thing, to meeting him in person. And I'm really excited to chat with him. That's pretty awesome, dude. And I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm, this is one of those where, you know, I met him as a little kid. But, you know, when you're a little kid, everyone is like huge, big, you know, celebrities. I'm hoping he lives up to, you know, the niceness because I've only heard great things about Fred. So it's going to be fun to join in the conversation and put him in the geek seat tonight, too, on top of it. You know, that this is going to be a classic tonight, folks. This is one you guys are going to want to save forever. I can guarantee it. So definitely take care of that. And if you want to leave feedback, please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you guys. Also, while I'm still thinking about it, we also want to say howdy to our patrons. Patrons, how are you guys doing? We're giving you a lot of great stuff this week. Um, we have done a special episode of Earth Station DCU where they're reviewing The Batman. And it's going to be available to you guys. It should be up there already by the time you guys listen to this. And then you also have the Dragon Con report. The new episode is out. And you also are going to be getting a later this week. You are also going to be getting an ESO board silly where we talk about like TV, what we're watching or what we're not watching or Whatever, because they're bored. They're silly. It's the ESO board. It's pretty cool. So it's available exclusively to members of the ESO Patreon. Pretty cool. And you too can, of course, subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. That's not too shabby. A dollar a month, folks. That's, you know, the minimum you could do to help support the ESO network. We give you fine entertainment, including Mr. Fred Hembeck later tonight. So I think that's going to be a lot of fun to hear. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. As, or as we like to say last week, the Patreon of ESO. 
And, you know, we could actually have thunder behind that or something and make it sound even more impressive. But, you know, definitely help support us. We'd appreciate it. Also appreciating is our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical, spring is officially here. It is the time to be outdoors, enjoy the weather, and pair sunglasses, you know, where you can custom make the colors for the lenses, for the frames. You can mix and match. It's pretty cool stuff. And Tifosi Optics is the place to do it. All you have to do is go to tifosioptics.com and look at your lenses. And if you have a prescription like I do, give them your prescription and they will make custom made sunglasses that you can actually see so you're not blind while you're driving in the bright lights of spring. It's pretty cool, folks. Definitely check it out. Go to tifosioptics.com, put a coupon code for station one in, and guess what, folks? You get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair of glasses. That's your whole order. Check it out, tifosioptics.com. And now it's time, folks, for your favorite game show. That's right. The game where no points really count, and it's just a ton of fun. We're about to play some comic trivia. That's right. And we have our regulars here with us challenging Mike Gordon. We have Kevin from the Flopcast. This is my favorite game show that does not involve whammies. <laughs> That's good. You know, and we also have decided we're not going to, anytime you say the magic word of the day, we're not going to pour green slime on you either. So. I appreciate it. That didn't work out so well last time. Yeah, I know. It, you know, I, I didn't know I was supposed to cook the stuff first to thaw it out. <laughs> <laughs> it just bopped you on the head instead. And we also are joined by Robert Young. Welcome, sir. What's up, guys? Happy to be back. Good Howdy. to have you. So are you guys ready for some fun challenges tonight? Well, no. Okay, that's <laughs> good. Forever ready. No, you guys are never. <laughs> hey, you guys ended in a tie, three-way tie last time. So. So we're going to start over zero zero. All right. I'm going to let Kevin go. Equally yeah. incompetent. <laughs> we are. So I think it's perfect. So, Kevin, I'm letting you go first this time. Okay. Okay. Crypto the Superdog. What year did he first appear? Oh, yikes. That's tough. Huh. All right. It's got to be 50s. I would you wanted think. a DC question. Come on, I'm doing wanted it. DC. Yeah, that's a tough one though. Um, the Legion of Super Pets started in 1962 because we discussed that on uh, the new hit podcast, Earth Station DCU Classics. But Crypto had already been around for some years when uh, when when he got when the group got together. Uh, but for how long? I'm gonna say 1957. Close. So <laughs> close. All right. Anyone want to try to steal that? 56. Closer. <laughs> Mike? 55. Good job, Mike hey. Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> you got the first point of the game. I was going to we'll say one. Up for you, Mike, and you just bring him on home. <laughs> I was going to say right. one. The closest without going over, right? So I exactly. One. And, exactly. Uh, and, and win. <laughs> You've been watching way too much Prices Right, my friend. You have been. There's no such thing as too much. That's good. That's true. <laughs> that is true. All right. This will be for Rob. Which of the following Avatar series by Warren Ellis is not a deconstruction of superheroes? Is it one Black Summer, two No Hero, three Super Gods? 
or four, they all are. It's Avatar. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Anyone want to try steal? Uh, think about uh, think about Warren Ellis. I was going to yeah, say it's yeah. Warren Ellis, so they all are yeah. correct. Yeah. Mike go. Gordon, <laughs> you are taking up to a two point lead. Wow! 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 No, wow. no. Unless you when you answer me when you ask me a direct question, then I will mess up. <laughs> then you panic. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, no, I don't want to do that one. <laughs> All right, Mike Gordon. What is the home planet of the Legion of Superheroes, Colossal Boy? Is it the planet Flan? Planet Zune? The planet Marzel? Or the planet Earth? I absolutely have no idea. Can I call a friend? Can I phone Darren? Nope. <laughs> I'm sorry, Darren is not alone. No, not available. Our, our network <laughs> Legion expert. Hey, exactly. Yeah. Um, Legion of substitute podcasters over there. He would yep. know this in a heartbeat. Uh, I really don't know. I'll take a stab at it and say, what was it? One of them was Mars. No, it was Flan, Zune, Marzel, or Earth. I'll say Marzel. Nope. <laughs> Anyone want to See, try told you. Ask me a direct question. I'll not get it right. Mike Gordon's perfect score ruined <laughs> on a Legion of Superheroes question. All right, yeah, Rob or Kevin, any, either of you want to try steal? Yeah, I mean it, it'd be random guessing. I know I, some of them were from Earth, most of them were from other planets. Flan, that sounds like it'd be like Desert Lad or something. <laughs> matter Eater Lad, that's it. I was going to say lad. Matter Eater Lad, yeah. <laughs> Dessert Eater Lad, <laughs> exactly. No, that became Bouncing Boy. Come on. <laughs> So yeah, any, uh, any let's answer? let's just because I can pronounce it, I'll, I'll guess that he's from Earth. Correct. Hey, <laughs> why job. can he grow into a giant? I have no idea. I don't remember the origin. The origin what is, is uh, basically he fe- it was a <laughs> asteroid that had radiation that gave him the power mm. oh, in the, the original run. Yeah. In the original run, and when yep. they redid it later in the I think the early two thousands, they said he was from a different planet or something like that. And he says, oh, they basically are all giants and that they all shrink down to be, they all shrinking powers to be normal. Yeah, that's most of the Legion, it's, they're perfectly normal on whatever planet they come from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the, the, yep. the theme in that group. I'm a whole planet of matter eaters or invisible people or shadow people or whatever. All right, Kevin. Yes. Next question. Um, name the artist, team, and writer on New Mutants and which started in 1982. Oh, no. Artist and writer on New Mutants, which was sort of an X-Men spinoff. Um, but was Claire? I know Claremont was writing X-Men. Did he write New Mutants as well? Probably not, but I can't think of any other writer who may have. So I'm going to say Chris Claremont and... Uh, artist at New Mutants, I don't. Paul Smith. Mm, sorry. You got 50%, <laughs> so you get a half a point. I did get All right, so Claremont must be Claremont's correct. right. So yeah. anyone want to try the artist? Yeah, was it uh, Bob McLeod? Perfect. Oh, nice. Woo. Good job, Rob. You get a full point for it because he stole. Yes. Yes. Woo-hoo. Good <laughs> job. Good job. All right, Robert. 
Uh, basically, let's see. Nah, you won't get that. I won't get most of them. I know. (laughs) Okay. What state did Asgard end up in when it was relocated to Earth? Uh, Texas. Eh, Sorry. I'm just totally guessing. I have no idea. Anyone want to try to steal? I would would guess Maine. Nope. Sorry. I believe it That's was Stephen Oklahoma. King's, but Mike Gordon got another point. It was point. Oklahoma. It was yeah, Oklahoma. That, was a good, that, was, that was a good run. Broxton, o- Steel, Broxton, Broxton, Oklahoma, to be exact. I just assumed it would be like a northern climate more similar to Scandinavia. <laughs> I always wondered why they ended up in Oklahoma. It just, and it, I dropped the series before they explained it. So Yeah. They, they should have uh, should have gone with Minnesota. There's plenty of room in Minnesota, and it's a, a large people of Scandinavian descent. Okay. Might even have a lake they could drop cold. it in. Make it There's an a island. lot of lakes. <laughs> exactly. All right, Mr. Gordon. Too many mosquitoes. Which president appeared in a Bizarro comic? Was it John F. Kennedy? Was it Richard Nixon? Was it Gerald Ford? Or was it Jimmy Carter? Oh. Uh... I'm going to say it was JFK. Yes, it was. Good job. A bizarre. I think I have our guest to thank for that because I think he mentions it in uh, in in uh, in his book. Yep, John F. Kennedy, a bizarro dressed up as him for Halloween in Adventure Comics 294 in March 1962. That's right. there was also a bizarro Marilyn Monroe in that issue, and a and and a bizarro James Dean, I believe. Wow. Interesting. It was one of the covers he recreated. Those Bizarro stories were amazing. Yeah. Had his own series for a little while, I think. Yeah, well, not his own, like, title. but No, but but he was, There was an ongoing... Yeah, they did Tales of the Bizarro World as, like, an ongoing, like, backup feature in action or adventure or whatever. Those ever been collected? Yeah, maybe not in total, but they've done, like, some kind of best of type of Bizarro collections, I think. Okay, Kevin. Yes. After the crisis on Infinite Earth, John Byrne came to DC Comics. What was the name of his Superman title, the miniseries that he did? Oh, that was The Man of Steel. Good job, sir. Yeah, six-part series. One of the first examples of a variant cover, because they did two different covers for number one, which was very unusual at the time. Remember all the controversy? I mean, they were angry and mad, and you're making me spend an extra 45 cents or whatever it was. <laughs> now it's unusual if an issue doesn't have a variant cover. Oh, yeah, that's just standard now. Every comic <laughs> has 26 different covers. If it's a Marvel number one, they had one this year or last year that we counted. There were like 25 or 28. It was crazy. It's Ooh. ridiculous. It's it might have been Eternals, I think. It was. It was wild. Okay, Rob. Name the original Justice League's sidekick. He was basically. You got it. You got it. Okay. Good job. I was going to say he was the Rick Jones of the DC Universe. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely he was. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. All right. Now that's too easy. All right. Okay. 
when DC Comics, this is for Mike Gordon, when DC Comics uh, went to the prestige format in mm -hmm. the 80s, which was the first title to do, to do it? I believe it was Titans, uh, you, New Titans. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah, the, I believe the, they were the first ones they got. Wasn't they? Wasn't that, yeah. wasn't that called the Baxter Run? The Baxter Pre Run. Yep. Baxter. Okay, so pre the, okay, prestige format is different. Prestige is like those. Well, Baxter. Like like Doc. Well, that, that's different. Uh, so yeah, that that's a that's a poorly worded question. I, I would uh, complain <laughs> to the to the management about that one. Oh, prestige cool. Format is you can write to the comic book <laughs> trivia. <laughs> I will. Calendar this people, Kevin. Yeah, you do yeah, that. The, yeah, the Baxter series were uh, that was a different thing. Uh, prestige was like a, Bat, a, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns and Green Arrow: Longbow Hunters. Those comics were prestige format. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's very true. So it was uh, what was it? Camelot three thousand. Also, that was not prestige format. It wasn't. Yeah. I thought it was. It wasn't squarebound. Oh, uh, that's true. Yeah, prestige format. Okay. Yeah, it was squarebound. Okay. stiff covers. We're wasting time and arguing about this. <laughs> yeah, this is gold. Riveted by Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, what was the 1966 Superman musical called? Oh, I love that musical. It's called It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. Good job. <laughs> there is a, on the bootleg market, you can get the, the, they did a TV version of it in the mid-70s, and it's astonishing. That's awesome. I'm awesome. waiting for it to come to HBO Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, this, that's too, you're gonna, this is a give me for Rob. Damn it. All right. Um, Rob, <laughs> New Teen Titans. What was the storyline called when Terra betrayed the Titans? Oh, crap. It may not be a gimme. I'm brain farting. Uh -oh. <laughs> I know it, but I'm totally brain farting. Um, I'm ready to swoop in. Oh, I know. It's, just, it's one of those where you beat yourself because you only read it 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Judas Effect. Close. That's awfully close. Very close. That's really close. But, but it's yeah. not right. If it's not it's right, not I don't right. get it. Half right. I don't get it. No. All right. Anyone want to steal? Kevin? Go Mike. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, you know what? I'm drawing a blank now, too. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> You're kidding me. I cursed you. It's the Judas contract. I did there a Dan. There you go. I did there a Dan Housen on you. Wow. You did. You, you absolutely did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking of uh, stupid Jericho's Judas song in my head. Now I'm not gonna. I could not get that out of my head for a while. It's Judas in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. oh, oh. Yep. Drink. Drink for that. Look up the meme he did about Will Smith. Oh. That Jericho did. It's really hysterical. There's been uh, quite a number of those, but yeah. His refers to his storyline, which makes it better. Like you have oh, to be nice. watching to get it, which is what nice. made it pretty funny. Okay. All right, Mr. Gordon. Yes. What did Jim Hammond, the original Human Torch, what was his his secret identity job, his career? I thought he was a robot. He was uh, a we prefer the term Android. Android. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Have I offended any androids out there? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, goodness gracious, what was I thinking? Um, That's his identity. That uh, wasn't his sorry. occupation. That wasn't his occupation, right? He Robots got to go to work too, Mike. I guess so. I, you know what? I have no idea. 
I have no idea. I would say, just at a, a shot in the dark, I'll say lab assistant. Nope. Anyone want to try a steal? Janitor. Eh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, janitor. A janitor who could burn the place down. That's awesome. You're, you're thinking of Hong Kong Fooey. I wasn't thinking of anything. That was just the first thing I could think of. <laughs> They're both great heroes. I have no idea. I'm going to say police officer. Good job, Kevin. You got it right. You no, got that, it. That was a wild guess. That is that was, crazy. That, that was either, awesome. either that was hiding in my brain somewhere or I just. He was a police a officer. Guess. Wow. Well played, sir. Very well played. Well, I wow. certainly meant d- no disrespect to the boys in blue out there, so yeah. I apologize. I mean, Hong Kong Fui was a janitor at a police station. That's true. So, janitor's sort of correct. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. All right. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. Can you name the founding members of a group of female superheroes known as Femforce? Femforce. That is, wow, that's not Marvel or DC. That's AC, I think. Yep, AC Comics. The company. And I could not name a single uh, Femme. <laughs> I, I know one of our listeners could is, is, is yelling at his uh, He's yelling right, right now. <laughs> He's like... <laughs> Mark, it's okay. Mark is very angry at us at the moment. Yes. <laughs> All right, Robert, want to try steal? Nope. I couldn't. I couldn't name them all. Okay. Like none I of us have ever them. even talked to a girl. We certainly can't <laughs> start naming the members of Fem Force. What's a girl? And, Ro- and Rob and Rob and Kevin are married, and they haven't ever talked to a girl. <laughs> it's why it's we're very, still married. Very exactly. quiet household. Yeah. <laughs> it's very quiet in that house. There was the Blue Bull of the Tear, Miss Victory, and She-Cat. So, <laughs> we're the originals. All right. All right. Okay. Forgive us, Mark, for not knowing that one. Okay. 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 Um. Yes. Okay. He's shuffling cards all over the place. He's like, they're missing 12 in a row. I've got to find something yeah. that an elementary school <laughs> no, right? kid will get. Yeah, exactly. All right. <laughs> Starting to regret tearing that, up those that is an, easy it, questions. It is, it is amazing to me that this this trivia source like has AC Comics, though, in it. That's yeah. pretty like all right. out there. That's pretty deep cut. All right. Robert. Alan Moore created a version of Superman. What was his name? Supreme. Correct. Oh, yes. Uh, not created by Alan Moore, though. He created it for him. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, Alan Moore didn't start writing Supreme until, like, issue number 41. That was a long-running uh, character That's what this... Okay. A lot of problems with these questions. Okay. You definitely have to call these people, then. I'm getting, they're getting an angry phone call in the morning. All right. Mike Gordon. <laughs> Which pop star was a huge fan of Captain Marvel Jr.? Was it Buddy Holly? Was it Chuck Berry? Was it Elvis? Or was it Roy Orbison? Uh, I do believe it was Elvis Presley. 
Yes, sir. Oh, oh, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. He loved the lightning bolts. That's he, right. You're, you see that in the movie. He patterned his gonna, look after. That's right. After yeah, the cape. Like the, give uh, you the guys high collars a, and the capes uh, that used for, in Vegas. A buddy of mine just went and he asked them where Elvis's comic collection was. Ooh. They uh, still have Graceland? it. There's a comic still collection? Have it. Like a Graceland? Wow. They still have it. It's in the attic. Oh my goodness. It's the thing that makes every comic fan, especially in the South, have a heart attack. Oh yeah. All Elvis's Golden Age Captain Marvel Jr. comics are my God. Attic burned and in the attic at Graceland. Oh, that would be that's like that's the honeypot right there, isn't it? That should really go get them. That would be like the grail of collections, I would think. Yeah, what would we be like the pond four instead of the oceans eleven? Like we would be the, the swamp water four trying yeah. to go break into <laughs> Graceland and, 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 and <laughs> we, would, we would be trying to climb over the gate. Oh, I think we can make it. Oh. <laughs> did you bring the step ladder? <laughs> we, you didn't bring the step ladder, damn it. No. All right. Kevin. Perhaps if we build a large wooden yes. badger. <laughs> In Alan Moore and Chris Sprouse's Tom Strong series, what is the sinister substance phlogiston? Phlogiston. It's a substance? Yes. Is it a deadly poison? Is it liquid heat? Is it an unbreakable metal? Or is it unstable molecules? Man, I I read all of Tom Strong and I don't remember... I did too, but I don't remember that sinister... Substance. Um, can I get my options again, real quick, Mike? Deadly poison, liquid heat, unbreakable metal, or unstable molecules. Uh, let's let's uh, let's go with unstable molecules. Wrong. Anyone want to try to steal? <laughs> I would just be guessing. I'd, I'd be guessing too. Okay. Well, you guys have gotten points for guessing. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Uh, all right, unbreakable metal. Oh, that's adamantium or no, vibranium. <laughs> duh. No. This Rob? is why I don't guess because you ridicule me. Well, well, yeah, yeah. We're so so tender. Fifty um, fifty shot for well, you, Rob. Well, was there one that was hot? There was or no poison. Let's say poison. Te- um, you almost had it right. <laughs> I don't want it right. Come on. Yeah, we're all wrong. It's liquid heat, which was used in a vicious death trap for our hero. Dun, dun, uh, dun. That's a very obscure much, question about Tom Strong. Miss it. I love Tom Strong. That was a great series. All right. Yeah. All right. Robert. Uh-oh. Who is Dum Dum Duggan? <laughs> Who is he? Yeah. Oh, he's a sidekick, sort of, to Sergeant Fury. Yep. He's in Howling Commandos. Yep, and he was also an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, right. maybe, the, maybe one of the characters you kind of wish they'd have done more with in the movies. They needed to do a World War II cat movie so we could see Dum Dum Duggan more. They had him cast perfect. Oh, yeah. In the did. comics, he, he makes it to the... The present. I don't know how, but he makes it to the present. The same way Nick Fury did? The the infinity formula. Thank you very much. Yes. Ah, They're both both drinking the juice. Uh In the juice. All right. Robert, what is the name of the floating city, which is the capital of New Genesis, home of the New Gods? Ah, crap. 
Uh, <laughs> no, it's not okra. No. <laughs> and then, yeah, I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I know this, and I'm just tired. Um, maybe I'm obsessed with something. My brain is uh, occupied with something that's coming in, like, 12 days. Yeah. Um, pass. Okay. I just Anyone? literally am brain locking, and I know, yeah, but I'm just brain locking. I, I, I know New Genesis, but I can't drill it down to I, a more specific I, city name. I don't remember. I don't know the cities of New Genesis either. Yeah. No. Well, it's, you know, Jack Kirby went on a real limb here. He called it Super Town. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This goes actually for Mike Gordon. Goes with what's premiering on Wednesday night on the Disney Channel. Ah. What? Deity is highly associated with Moon Knight. Is it Odin, Kanushu, Eternity, or Loki? Uh, I would believe the second one. You don't want to try to pronounce it? Kanushu? Kanushu? Kanushu. I'm sure they'll say it differently on the show and we'll both look like, huh? <laughs> Also, like Kazunheit or something. Yeah, exactly. It's K H O N S H U. So, you try to pronounce it. <laughs> All right. All right. Kevin, what year was the first comic book published? Was it 1933, 1935? 1938 or 1940? The first comic book. That's a loaded question for one thing. <laughs> Uh-oh. Here's one that I could just see. He's like this, in the back of my is, mind. He's like, I'm going to argue with this. This is all going on my list for when I complain <laughs> to the... I'm actually with Kevin on this one. Like the Platinum Age goes into the 20s, but yeah. it's not the standard format, but it would yeah. still be considered a comic book. All right. So the, the two earliest ones were 33 and 35 of those options? Yes. All right. So it's got to be one of those two. Because comics were certainly around before 38. 38 was Superman. That's action number one. But that wasn't the first comic book. DC started in 35. So if they're going by, if they're considering those first DC comics as the first comic books, then that might be the answer. I'll say 35. Eh. Anyone want to try to steal? It's another give me. <laughs> I'll say, I'll go earlier and say 33. Good job, Mike Gordon. Yeah, I don't know say? when I don't know when the first issue of Famous Funnies came out, but I that's the one I always look mm. at as being one of the first, even though it wasn't original material. Okay. Yeah, they started as just collecting newspaper strips. strips. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Da, 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 da. Okay. What series did Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark? Uh, work on from 2006 to 2009 for Robert. Terminal City? Nope. Anyone want to try to steal? Who was it again? Ed Brubaker Ed Bru and Michael Lark. Uh, hmm. Was that uh, was that Captain Britain? Nope. I'll take a guess as well. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I know it's something I didn't read. Uh, Hitman. Nope. Yeah. Good try. I did read. I did read Hitman. It's epic. <laughs> uh, Daredevil. 
Really? Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He That's right. After, he came on for... after Kevin Smith and yeah. Yeah. Some, some people yeah. said the Brew Baker run is... and Venice. Yeah. No, it's really good. I forgot about that. I I, I was thinking Terminal City because I was thinking Lark might have worked on that. Yes. All right, Mike Gordon. Yes, sir. This teen super team created by writer Brian K. Vaughn and artist Adrian Aldofia was a Marvel comic. What is the name of the team? I believe it was the Runaways. Yes, sir. Woo-hoo. And that's what you're doing with this game, sir. Good job. <laughs> nice. Good job. I, I owe it all to, like, you know, Fred Hembeck. Yeah, I've been reading, like, that book nonstop, and it's full of comic history stuff. Yeah, so. in its way, that would that would uh, cover a lot of territory. <laughs> did, that, that is, yeah. Surprisingly, so. that's really good prep for, <laughs> for this, this yeah. competition. Yes. We now know what we need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plan is set. All right, Kevin, this is pretty darn easy. Oh, good. I say. That's what I need. Yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, this superhero. No pressure. Was this superhero was created as, by the vi- uh, da, 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 da. I blew it so fuck it uh, no this superhero was created by Ultron to be a plant in the Avengers and eventually to betray try to betray them but he turned against Ultron who okay. is this hero yeah I I remember this from the movie that the the Ultron Avenger movie is when they made Vision correct. Woohoo. All right. No, we don't want to do that. Uh, actually, yeah. All right. Kevin. Did, did you last? I did you, I, Kevin, I, I did, did you, you. You did last. All right. Yes, Rob. Rob, your turn. Yeah, this, ni- this 1980 series written by Mike Barron and illustrated by Steve Rude. Name the series. Nexus. Yes. Woo-hoo. If you're an old man, you're like cool indie. Yes. <laughs> now they go, that's in the five for a dollar box. What is this pretty book? All right. Mike Gordon. Yes. While in the army, what danger did Stanley warn other soldiers about in his writing? Uh, you want me to give you multiple answers? Or do you, so <laughs> you don't have to get, did he warn him against communism? Did he warn him against venereal disease? Did he warn him about friendly fire? Or did he warn them about radioactive spider bites? Uh, well, uh, even before the multiple choice, the first thing that, that came into my head was that he warned them about uh, venereal disease. VD wins again. <laughs> it just seems so Stanley-ish. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Okay, we're going into the final round. And guess what? No more questions. We're done. <laughs> oh, so man. This is going to be a, oh, actually for everybody. This will be a final question. And the the question goes out to everyone is who played all right here it is got it name the three actresses name the three actresses who played catwoman in the batman 1966 series in order in order (laughs) all right i can i can do that that's uh i can do that i think we i bet we could all do that 
<laughs> this should be a three-way tie but uh in order it would be julie newmar then the movie with lee merriweather and then eartha kitt that's right yep good job sir but that would that could have gone to anybody i'm, I'm giving you each a point for that yeah but, to, <laughs> but tonight's winner with 11 points for oh, the yeah. first time ever is mr mike gordon Wow. Well, like I said, winner. I owe it all to Fred. Chicken dinner. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys for joining us tonight. Uh, before we get out of here, though, Robert, you have a yeah. big con coming up in two weeks. Man, we do. It's, not it's, even uh, not even two weeks. Though. Would you believe I, I finalized the program book uh, awesome. just a few hours before we uh, we started here? So plugging away, getting everything done. And uh, ticket sales are going really well. So that is awesome. That is awesome. So who do you got coming, and where are we going to be? Where's the dates? Oh man! So we're at the Greenville Convention Center in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, April nine, ten, South Carolina Comic Con. Tickets available at sccomiccon.com uh, or at the shop if you're local. Um, from a uh, media guest standpoint, I guess John Ratzenberger would be the kind of one of the coolest because you've got Cheers, you've got all the Pixar movies. Um, I'm a big Doctor Who guy, so Sylvester McCoy's kind of awesome. I'm um, looking forward to that. Me too. He's always such a nice guy. And from a uh, from a comic standpoint, you know Bernard Chang, uh, Jerry Conway, the creator of The Punisher, Tim Townsend is is one of the most prolific inkers ever in the industry. Uh, indie artist, you've got Andrew McLean. Uh, we've got the um, gosh, who else? Let me think here. We've got Mike Grell, we've got Bill Gallier, we've got Veronica and Andy Fish. Um, but I do have a media guest that hasn't been announced. Ooh. It's actually two media guests. Ooh. So, um, so there's a couple of guards that are real prolific in a Disney series. And they're very loyal once they decide to be your guard all the way to the bitter end, apparently. Oh, so we have the Gamorrean guards from Boba oh. Fett. Oh, wow. All right. Wow. And it's uh, it's hey, Colin the, Himes. The, the ill-fated. That's right. It's Colin That's Himes. Right. And it's and the one of them is actually Frank Trigg, who fought for the um, middleweight title, excuse me, welterweight title in the UFC. Frank wow. Trigg was a very accomplished MMA fighter and he's done movies. And he, so it's kind of an interesting kind of dual thing for him. And uh, met him. He's a great guy. And um, so that's kind of neat. So we'll, we'll drop that with you guys. And, um, and then I, I forgot to mention wrestling. Um, we just added Tony Schiavone, the voice of like wrestling from the eighties to today. <laughs> Forever. It's yep. crazy. And Arn Anderson and Matt Hardy, the Steiner brothers, FTR, who might be the best tag team in the world. Uh, they call themselves the top guys and they really are pretty amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I really feel like, uh, and I'm, I'm even missing out on, on some voice actors like uh, Damian Clark and Johnny Young Bosch, and we've got those three Justice League voice actors. We've got Superman, Wonder Woman, and Hawk Girl, uh, Jim Cummings. It's crazy this year. I think we've really got just a, a spread out cast of people for all pop culture nerdy stuff. It's pretty darn awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. That is cool. Well, that is awesome. I'm looking forward to it. And you, you guys always put on a great show. It is going to be fantastic. Absolutely. Thank you, man. It's, it's, um, it's a family run event. 
you know, my wife does all the layout and books all the travel and always say that she's the uh, wizard behind the curtain and I'm the guy too dumb to get nervous on the, on camera or something. That's the only reason I have a job. And, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's really awesome that people will support something that, that is a, still a mom and pop thing. You know, everything's kind of half the show's booked at our kitchen table, right? <laughs> we're, we're just sitting there working. So that is awesome. And thank you once again for having us involved with it. So, it's oh man, cool. always have you guys involved when you talk about it. It's great. It is awesome. It, and it's, it's one of our favorite shows of the year, if not Absolutely. our, our favorite. It's just, it's great to be able, it's like, and it's you, a lot of times you see a lot of the same people each year and seeing the kids grow up, seeing a lot of yeah. the cosplayers and it's just, it's just awesome. And for, you know, Greenville, South Carolina, you get from so many different areas, people coming in too, which is in awesome. a real central location. You know, we're fortunate we're between Charlotte and Atlanta and Asheville and Columbia and uh, it's easy to get to us. And you point out, you know, the kids, I mean, the reason we do 12 and under free with a paying adult is we're trying to get more young people involved in all these things that we, that we all love. And mm -hmm. uh, we feel like, you know, if we can be a gateway for that, then, then we're thankful. Um, and if I've got time real quick, I wanted to mention the drink and draw charity auction that we do on Saturday night. We're actually doing it at the convention center. Really? It's gonna, yeah, it's good. It's cool. They've got a great space and the upstate pulse, radio show is going to broadcast live from the event. So at the event, uh, anybody can draw. We obviously have professional artists come and donate art pieces, but we have a lot of, you know, folks like us who are drawing on coasters and artboard and, and donating it uh, to raise money for a veterans charity, upstate warriors and for hero initiative. But they're actually going to have a camera set up where folks can come draw their piece and it be broadcast on Facebook and everywhere else. So folks actually see them draw. Oh, that's so awesome. Kind of a different thing, but we think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, we're looking forward to it. And that is the 9th and 10th of April at the Greenville Convention Center in Greenville, Absolutely. South Carolina. Time to get geeky. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us. It was always fun. I guess I have to come up with a brand new bunch of questions and for our next time outing. We ran out of questions. We ran out of questions. So <laughs> that is awesome. So we went three, through 365 questions. So that's not too shabby. Well, you, I ignored you a couple. the easy ones. Yeah. Well, dude, come on. <laughs> what was the name of Supergirl's cat? Come on, you know, that, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that type of stuff. I had to get rid of that. So, yeah, it was cool, though, but I'll get more for us next time. So don't be afraid, folks. There's more comic book trivia coming your way very, very soon. <laughs> Excellent. So, awesome. So let's take a quick break and we will be back in a moment. And we're going to be talking to Fred Hembeck. everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment. He had a huge heart and a glorious smile. When he walked into the room, everyone looked up. When he left the room, everyone was sad. That's Stevie Nicks talking about her friend Taylor Hawkins, who, of course, has left us uh, at just the age of 50. In a news story that I think shocked everybody, even though, from what we know now, it was a borrowed time situation made all the more painful by the thought that it didn't have to happen. But her tribute was one of dozens and dozens and dozens from across the music industry, from people that you would never guess would have known or worked with Taylor Hawkins. 
um, all talking about what a great drummer he was and what a great person he was. And of course, thousands upon thousands of tributes from fans who felt the same way. And you didn't need to be a fan uh, to know that he was a great, great drummer who could totally front any band. Um, but if you saw him, you know, on TV, interviews, performances, whatever, you knew he was one of those people that's just lit from within. And I mean a quality from himself. He had this electric energy um, that maybe it was harder to manage than we knew. Um, but he just radiated joy. But he was very serious about what he did, um, about his music. And there was a story that I saw on Twitter that has just made me smile a lot. A guy named Greg H. Uh, his handle is Dong Attack. But he uh, grew up in the same town as Taylor Hawkins. And at the age of 13, he tried to kind of fake his way into a band with Taylor. Told him he could play when he really couldn't. And Taylor was not having that. Uh, he sent him packing at the end of the day. But they they weren't close friends, but they, they had occasion to talk every now and then. And Taylor always had time to talk about mutual friends. And uh, this guy said about him, he was goofy, he was kind, he lived his dream. And the, the foos mean an awful lot to an awful lot of people. And um, one of the good things I think we can take from this is that he... He knew he was loved, and he, he got to see his honors and accolades while he was still with us. When they were uh, nominated and inducted for the Rock Hall of Fame last year, there were a lot of people that uh, felt, well, yeah, but why now? Why on their first ballot when there's others waiting? But in retrospect, clearly it happened at the perfect time, and it's wonderful that they got to share that together. And there's a, a lot of people right now um, quoting the words to Hero and uh, posting the video. And uh, he is a hero to a lot of people. Um, so what I think we all should do for our, our hero is uh, look at all the joy that he has brought to people over the years and take that forward. Be goofy, be kind, live your dream, and have time for the people you meet along the way. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, and we'll catch you next time. Hi, I'm Joe Heath. And I'm Tony Heath. And we're the hosts of the Watch-A-Thon of Rassilon. A podcast where we're watching through all of Doctor Who. And we're just about finished with the classic series. Depending on when you hear this, we may already be done. So why not go check for yourself? And while you're there, why not go ahead and listen to every single episode of the Watch-A-Thon of Rassilon. And watch as Joe loses his last little tenuous grip on sanity. The Watch-A-Thon of Rassilon, a proud member of the ESO Network. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time for the artist spotlight, and we have a really special one tonight. We are actually joined by the artist himself. Welcome, Fred Hembeck, to Earth Station One. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to the station. We are very honored to have you with us, sir. Um, usually when we have a guest, I usually start out by saying, like, you know, tell a little bit of people what you do, but... I think a lot of people know what you do already. So um, I, I want to start from the beginning, though. As far as your cartooning and your love for comics, where did that where did that start? Uh, the love for comics came before the cartooning, but not okay. by a whole lot. Um, 
I was about five or six years old. My dad brought home a comic book, uh, Spooky, the Tough Little Ghost. It was given to him by someone he, he was working with uh, who had a <clears throat> had a child who was a little bit older than me and was outgrowing the comics and thought maybe he wanted, maybe, you know, I would like him. So mm-hmm. it was, as a test, he brought home the, the one comic book. And I just really, it just, I was enraptured by the whole thing. And so he brought home a whole box oh. once the test comic passed the, you know. <laughs> All right. And, and that box was mostly, almost entirely filled with uh, kitty comics. Uh, Harvey, you know, Hot Stuff, uh, Little Audrey. Um, but, of course, it's, there was the Little Lulu and the Little Archie and the, and the Dennis the Minister, three Remained three of my favorites to this day, but there weren't any superheroes in there except for two scattered issues, one issue of Jimmy Olsen and one uh, World's Finest comic with Superman and Batman. So I didn't really pick up on that for a couple of years because once my parents and my grandmother knew I really liked the comics, they would they would buy them for me. But it was just the Dell comics and the Harvey comics and stuff like those lines. They stayed away from, at that point, it was Atlas with, the you know, the big monsters and uh, the Superman oh, and the right. stuff. That I stumbled into a few years later in 1961 when some uh, a kid in my class kept bringing his comic books in, and I kind of initially went, oh, I don't need that stuff, but I would I'd be fascinated because Superman, one, one issue would have the head of a lion, another issue would have a really big head and be from the future, but what really pushed me over the top was Bizarro. I said, this is, this is crazy stuff. So I had my mom go pick me up a copy of the second Superman annual. And that had the reprinting of the first Bizarro story in it. But that story was like a story of, of pathos. It wasn't goofy stuff. So mm. I, I kind of said, eh, all right, put it aside for a few months. But then the the clincher, which was the um, the night of March 31st, which was the great boo-boo contest, if you guys are familiar with that, it was a five-page uh, story in a, Superman comic, which had all kinds of intentional mistakes that you were supposed to figure out what they, you know, write them down, send them in, and someone will win a con- win it. And I said, this is crazy stuff. And I went out and I bought an issue of, of Superman. And oddly enough, it was this uh, issue featuring his origin. Like, here's what I needed. And, and within like three weeks, maybe a month, that first issue of Secret Origins came out with had all the art. So it was like I had a primer. It all came to me as if they were waiting for me. And uh, that uh, pretty much got me going until the Marvel came about a year or so later. And that was even better. Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I uh, amazingly, I mean, that was a time when, when comics was a lot more, they were a lot more accessible, a lot more kid friendly, um, oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, and because uh, I, I, I can't, I don't remember my next, uh, my first comic, but I do remember very young, you know, I, I grew up on the Harvey stuff as well. Uh, more like Casper and R- Richie Rich and, <laughs> and uh, a lot of those. Um, and I, for some reason I got a lot of Charlton comics when I was a kid. I don't know how that happened, but <sighs> um, uh, so yeah. Um, but for me, the superheroes, I was introduced to superheroes through the television. You know, whether it's Spider-Man on, on Electric Company or the Batman series and reruns. Um, but your first exposure to superheroes would be in comics. Is that correct? Or um, I think actually my first, the first time I saw Superman, 
it was in a Popeye cartoon. Oh, which wow. I only recently resaw. There's a Popeye cartoon where uh, Olive Oil is reading the Superman comic. And then I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, I only recently saw it again. And I thought, my, because I, I know I didn't watch the Superman TV show until I think after I started reading the comics. But yeah, I think the first place I ever saw Superman was in the Popeye cartoon, which I used to watch when I was a kid all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing about, uh, all of you know your complete run of uh cartoons throughout the years is that your love for comics and and the the whole medium uh the the way you describe how it moves you either makes you smile or scares you makes you cry um that's like to me like really telling you i don't hear a lot of people talk about how comics move them so much is was that and that was something that you experienced right from the beginning well i would i immediately once I decided, once I bought those DC comics, I decided I needed to have them all. So I guess I, I was not, not somebody who just picked and chose. It was like, oh, if you're in the Justice League, I'm buying you, you know? I, uh-huh. I, bought, and I, I stayed away from like House of Mystery and House of Secrets until they got some, uh, you know, lead characters. I wasn't reading the anthologies, but if you had a, if you had a costume on, I was uh, signed up with the, with the odd exception that I never, would buy an issue of Tales of the Unexpected with Space Ranger. I don't know why I was always, maybe there's that little goofy character he, he walked around with. It was just too goofy for me. Cyril, <laughs> I think his name was. Mm-hmm. But I bought them all. I mean, it was just like I had to have them all. Whereas my other friends were like, yeah, I bought an issue. Bought. I, mo- the friends who um, whose comics I had you know, seen and read and inspired me, once I became the guy who was buying all the comics, all of a sudden I was like the library. They didn't have to buy them anymore. They just came over uh, my house. But that was okay. I didn't really mind. It was when they started, you know, after about fifth or sixth grade, it was like, oh, we're not reading comics anymore. We're That's for kids. And there I, I was kind of left alone on my own island of reading comic books for, for you know, between sixth grade and 12. Somehow in 12th grade, which was around the time of uh, Barry Smith on Conan, and uh, Swamp Thing, I managed to get a couple of my friends interested in reading comics again, if only because they're going to be worth something someday. So it was kind of fun to have that. <laughs> but for a while there, I was like, that, that's why, the, the you know, I was pretty deep into the comic fandom uh, for a couple of years because I, I see, you know, I had I had friends. We still do, did stuff, but nobody wanted to read comic books. So it was nice to go to a place where people were interested in them and, and, and talking about them. Did you, uh, do you have all of those comics as well? Did you keep all of those? Uh, most of them, most of them. Some of the ones that I lent to my friend disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider-Man number one and number two. Uh, uh, so I'm number three and four. But, you know, at a certain point, I, I, I went over, uh, he, he lived in a, a little house on the outs with, with him and his brother, separate little building. Uh, from the main house, and it was kind of a mess and everything, because of course, what would we expect with two two guys living there when they were that young? And I saw a, a comic on the floor, uh, the one where the um, a giant man becomes the new giant man with that big blue helmet or something. I said, "Hey, that looks like my comic." He says, "Oh no, that's my comic." And I picked it up and I looked, opened it up, and my name was written inside. <laughs> I went, oh yeah, busted! So. I used to do that, and that was that was the end of the lending library. Oh, uh, wow. That, that put the end of that. But that was, I mean, you still could read them, but they had to stay at my house. 
Yeah, so yeah I, I have a majority of those comics still. Gotcha. Yeah, I used to I used to trade uh, back then too. Uh, but like you, I think by the time I got to certainly sixth, seventh grade, or whatever, like it's certainly high school, I was the only one that was that I knew that was reading comics, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, at least in a regular basis. Um, and then I went to college, and I. I actually timed out of comics for a little while too. So Mike, Oh my God. <laughs> I did. There was like those four years. I, I just, uh, I, I still liked them. And there was a comic shop in near where I went in to school, but I, I didn't go there regularly. I just went there every once in a while. So, Oh yeah. But it was always interesting too, because, you know, I felt the same way with the comics and I felt like I was the only one who read them anymore. And by the time I was like fifth or sixth grade, then I went to junior high and I met this other guy named Dale, who was another artist. And he was like, oh, yeah, I, I'm a huge Batman fan. And went to his house. He had, like, all the the Batmans going back into, like, the early 70s. Like, the you know, the stuff by you know, Danny O'Neill did and, you know, and Neil Adams drew. And it was just like, wow, this is just awesome stuff. I had never seen that stuff before at that time. And it was mm-hmm. just, like, amazing to see that yeah back then back issues were hard to get oh yeah (laughs) because there were no Uh, comic shops at the time no no the the most the the biggest way i got comics was like my parents would go out to yard sales they'd come back with like a big box and be like oh we found this do you want these comics and i'd be like yes and there'd be like like 50 100 whatever there would be in there and they'd be like great Mm -hmm. so that, that people were they were disposable pretty much then yeah true true so about um, so that's that's your reading side. You're uh, getting into comics that way. But as far as the art, where did that start? Uh, well, you know, uh, there he was in uh, kindergarten, mm-hmm. and you know they call in the parents to talk about the kids and stuff. And the one thing I remember after my mom came back, I said, you know, how did everything go and everything? And she's I said that my teacher, a rather young lady, um, had said that I had art talent and that uh, she shouldn't uh, discourage me. Oh. And I thought to myself, oh, I'm an artist. That's interesting. <laughs> and, you know, as soon as I got those comic books, I always remember the first comic art I tried to emulate, maybe even uh, traced, actually, now that I think of it, were those um, Henry Boltonoff cartoon strips that you'd find in the early 60s Superman families like uh, Peg and Casey the Cop. Mm-hmm. You guys familiar with that stuff? I mean, later on, it was uh, tips for um, how to make models and stuff that Henry Boltonoff did, but there was... Yeah, uh, that's why I think that's more uh, what I'm remembering, yeah. Yeah, that that that's what it turned into eventually, but his he did gags in the... Uh, through the forties and fifties, but of course I just started in 61, but that style was so simple and appealing to me. I just uh, started drawing like that. And yeah, then I just kept drawing. Were, um, were cartoons or the comics from like that were in the newspaper, were those an influence as well? Um, not, not to a great extent, although the, my, I think my earliest memory, maybe even before the comic book that I got was of a Dick Tracy strip. Uh, when when there was a, a a little baby with a beard in it, I don't know if you've ever seen that storyline. There was some, and I was like, "What what what is this?" I would see it in the newspaper. Why, why is there a baby with beard? And uh, you know, so 
yeah, I did read the comic strips for a while, but once I got in, into comic books and I would see how comic books were disrespected by the by the hoi polloi, but comic uh, comic books were disrespected, but somehow comic strips That's true. warranted, you know, entries into the encyclopedia. Well, wait a second. What about, you know, Superman and Batman? So for a while I was kind of anti-comic strip, but then I came around after, you know, when I was a teenager and stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I think I was first introduced to your work, really, in the back of DC Comics with the Daily Planets, right? Where you right. Did this, just, so I, I think of you, first and foremost, as a comic strip artist, uh, oddly enough, uh, because I was, that's where I was introduced to, those, to those, uh, that style. And, and those, the format of those, the timing of the comic timing and all that, and the art is, is just is great. It's great cartooning. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've always had trouble uh, distilling my stuff into such a small space because I'm kind of I kind of tend to go on, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, some of those worked out pretty well. Although I, the drawing makes me cringe at this point for the majority of them. But what are you going to do? Uh, well, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, that's yeah. good because that means you're you're growing, right? As an yeah. artist, right? So you never want to think that your the early stuff was the best stuff. No, that. Some of it has, some of it is very enthusiastic and has some great ideas, but, and, but the actual execution will make me grimace. Um, before we get to when you did those though, um, I, I'm curious. So when did, when did the art side of you merge with the comic side of you and, and you decided I want to, I want to work on comics? Oh, I, I don't remember when that happened, except that it was pretty much all, always. Okay, like, so the minute like, you said I, I want to be an artist, you weren't like I'm going to be a painter. Or I'm going to be no, you know. no cartoons. It was, it was comics and cartoons, right? Cartoons <laughs> all the way for him. It's like you know, my my whole life was decided at age five and six. I mean, you know, when my mom <laughs> told me I was an artist, and my dad brought home that comic book, and that was it. It was all over at that point. The uh, you mentioned that you had uh, you know you were you're sort of uh, copying. Um, one of the, some of the comics that you had. And I, I'm just, you know, I think of you also now as, as uh, one, that's one of the things that I, you're known for is your recreations of, of covers. And that started early. Yeah. You know, I, I have this book downstairs of, of drawings I did when I was, was a kid in a, a loose leaf binder. And there's actually a, a cover of a, a detective comics and uh, a pinup of uh of Cyclops that was from a Jack Kirby pinup in one of those books. So I did that early. I didn't do a lot of them, but I did do it. I, I guess mm -hmm. when I was getting ready to go to college, I spent, I have a whole books downstairs where I have filled with um, Neil Adams. Read, uh, you know, read, cause I was going to be the next Neil Adams. I was going to draw like him and oh, wow. either him or, or uh, Alex Raymond. That's the whole book. You can see where that all went to. I went out the window. Well, went to. Those you are know, those are lofty goals. Those are lofty goals. <laughs> I know. I know. So at least you were you at least you were shooting big. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where did now you know was how early on did the the sort of your signature squiggly joints come from? Well, that was an accident. Um, that I did try to put together a portfolio that looked like I was the next Neil Adams. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I took it around to the, you know, uh, 
companies. They did Marvel and DC. This would be 1977, I believe, summer of 1977. They they did not they did not go for it. So I was, uh, you know, a little a little uh, bummed out. And I went home, but I said I got to keep drawing. Don't don't you know get upset. We'll we'll put together an, another portfolio. We'll make this stuff even better. But to keep myself interested in drawing, um, I had just gotten out of college. Uh, had a number of good, really good friends, roommates, but we, of course, went our separate ways. And I wrote letters to them, but instead of just writing the letters, you know, printing or whatever, I did them in cartoon form. And that's where I came up with my little character because uh -huh. my friends knew what I looked like. They knew I had, you know, hair parted in the middle and stuff. And uh, I just, you know, sent out so many of those for that summer. And kind of polish that style without even realizing. I also sent some of those uh, letters to comic book uh, company, not companies, but uh, you know, letter to the editor down oh, the gotcha. cartoon form. Uh, two of which really helped me. Uh, one I'd totally forgotten about, but I, I, I sent a wonderful letter telling Jim Shooter how what a wonderful job he was doing on the Avengers. Something I totally forgot about until years later when he put it on his website. And that made me think, oh, now I know why he gave me that job. <laughs> uh, you know, I forgot I was buttering the guy up before I even, you know, knew I was doing it because he wasn't even the editor-in-chief at the time. And the other was a letter to Bill Mantlow, who liked it so much that he wanted to uh, print it. But he said I had to redraw it because I used color ink. And that was my first published piece, which was an issue of uh, Iron Man 112. That's a full-page uh, letter. So, yeah, what was the question again? How did I? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I just, so one day I decided, let's take this little, you know, funny uh, art style and do a strip of me and Spider-Man. And I'll send it off to the buyer's guide, which I, a year or so earlier, had a cover done in a regular style printed. And I thought, well, you know, couldn't hurt. And they, comics, the buyer's guide for comics fandom, Alan Light, published it weekly. It was a big newspaper. They needed some editorial material to qualify for um, mailing uh, rates or whatever. So they had to use some stuff. And he liked what I did. And uh, I said, do some more. And I did. And that kind of took off. And people at the company saw it. And they liked it. And I never did finish the second portfolio. Hmm. Hmm. And, and the, uh, the, yeah, the trademark um, squirrely lines were there uh, on the knees and, and joints right from the beginning? You know, if, if I, I looked in that book that you held up earlier, the big old omnibus. The very first strip, they are not there. Okay, the very, really? The, the second strip, they are, because I think I saw I said, oh, there's a lot of white space here. I need to fill, you know, I need to fill some stuff in. <laughs> and I remember seeing this either, it was Don Martin, Dennis the Menace or Beetle Bailey. I don't know which one of the ones where I got the squiggles from, but it was one of those three. And I put the squiggles in, little knowing that, you know, 50 years later, people be asking me about, hey, what about the squiggles? <laughs> you know, now I think about it, it might be Dennis, because yeah. I'm thinking of Hank Ketchup and Dennis's uh, elbows. I do yeah, think have, yep. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I think that is similar there. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I love Dennis Menace as well. Uh the comics and of course the uh the original strip. Um good stuff. Uh and and great um great artwork on those as well. 
Oh, I, I love the Al uh, the Al Wiseman comic books. You know, yes. Dennis goes to Hawaii. Dennis goes to those are the some of my favorite comics. They've above. just started recollecting those yes. too, or uh, putting those in like a nice hardcover. The last few years, yes, and those are really yes. nice. I, I even had an intro in one of those. Yes, that's right. You did. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yes. It was actually something I I did on my my um, website when I used to work on my website. And uh, Jim Salakrip said, oh, can we use this? I said, yeah, sure. It'd be great to see it printed. So that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, those are great. Those are those are done really well. I don't know if they've stopped doing them. I hope not. Because uh... uh, it's only been about three, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's too bad. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a shame because a lot of that stuff, uh, even the um, uh, the even the the books that are trying that were collecting the strip that Ketchum did, those kind of stopped after I think four or five too. So yeah. I, you know, I don't know um, yeah. why that happened, but um, but back to your work. Okay, so so yeah, so you start the strip. Um, now I'm not sure how to pronounce like it. Dateline, do you have actually a word that is supposed to be well, pronounced there? <laughs> take a swear word in any one you want. There it is. So Dateline curse, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, and so that becomes like a, a pretty good thing. And 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 I think that that was an age too where I feel like that was like a second wave of all this talent coming in that was fans of the golden age, right? Um, people who were, like you said, you were, um, submitting, uh, fan letters mm-hmm. to these publishers, to these comics. And a lot of people who were submitting the fan letters like yourself later became people yep. who worked in the industry, right? Yep. That's very true. I, so, and I think a lot of them started up pretty young <laughs> and if you, and you, you know, you started right out of college doing that. So you, that was pretty young for you as well. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did stick around a few extra years to wait for Lynn, my wife, to finish. So I wasn't right out of college. Gotcha. But I was right. My, my roommates were two years younger than me. I just kind of hung around for two years working in a grocery store, putting together a portfolio while I waited for Lynn to graduate and my, my roommates. So I, it wasn't like I was 22. I was more like 24. When 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 did the, uh, the, the big moment happen when you could actually, like, you know, sort of make a living with your art? Uh... I don't know. I don't know. We both, you know, did stuff together. Lynn, gotcha. Thing, my doing, and it all seemed to work out. It, it, it at first the, uh, I guess the Fantastic Four roast was great because that helped pay for our first house. So, you know, I guess that you could say that was a good deal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mike, uh, I think uh, you you discovered him around that time, too, with the well, Marvel stuff or the DC stuff? Oh, the DC stuff, the stuff in the back of the comic books was yep. totally the way. And then I remember the Fantastic Four roast, but then I also remember the issue of What If and, you know, all those, yeah. you know, different, you know, titles, you, things you were started working on. And I loved it when I saw that you started, you know, you were getting – more and more work is like, oh, Fred has made it. This is awesome. Because I love just reading. Half the time when I picked up a comic book, you were the first thing that I went to go pick up and to, to read when I was reading DC all the time back then. Because I was a huge yeah, I was, JLA I was, and Legion geek. I was the same way too. No matter how good the actual comic and story was, if I got to the end and there wasn't like a Hembeck strip at the end, I was like, Oh man, I felt like I was like, getting my money's worth. Well, I appreciate that. I, uh, 
some of those jokes were pretty good and memorable. So that's nice to know. It's just a lot of fun. I mean, that that mm. was a time when, you know, comics, even in the more the ones that were really serious, that took themselves really seriously, it still was a fun time, I think. Yeah. Uh, or at least I have a lot of fun memories uh, with comics. But, uh, by the way, do you, and that's do one you of guys, tw- twice, twice we tried to revive that format. Once for Marvel, when they had like a little uh, newspaper handout. Mm-hmm. I, don't know if you, I did some single... Uh, tiered strips for them, but that went that went to hell. That didn't go anywhere after about three of them. And then a, I don't know, five six years ago, IDW had me do the same thing on like a page. Uh, oh right. And 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 I did about four or five of them, and then they said, "Well, oh, somebody, uh, you know, one of the uh, publishers saw this and said, you know, we could use this for advertising space." Oh jeez. <laughs> and that was the end of my, you know visit to the idw universe yeah oh well they gave me some free comics for a while so that was cool oh yeah yeah actually free hardcovers i don't care about the comics no offense (laughs) well well, some of those idws if they were giving you those uh artist editions (laughs) that was pretty good that's all those are those (laughs) we're not getting but they did have some nice uh some nice hardcovers of the best of dan DiCarlo, the best of uh uh some of the other RV, uh, Archie artists that I really admire, Sam Schwartz. Yep. Uh, speaking of artist edition, okay, so when I'm reading um, a lot of the strips uh, or a lot of the work that you're doing that's included in that uh, nearly complete essential archive omnibus, um, I'm wondering what size you work at because I'm reading it and it's, you know, some of it's the print quality and some of them is, is difficult to read. Right. Yeah. Um, I had to use my phone to help magnify a lot of the panels. So, um, and it's my eyes, part of it's my eyes as well, but, but what is, that's not the size that you are drawing in, is it? Oh no. Oh no. Those, uh, those initial strips were, were done for the, the comics buyer's guide, which was a, a, a tabloid. Very mm-hmm. large. Um, I mean, I think I was drawing them about ten by fifteen, and they were pretty much printed at the same size. So I at the I didn't worry about the lettering because I didn't think it would ever be reduced to the point where it wasn't those books <laughs> there. Who knew? Right. Who knew? Right. right. So yeah, I used to do them really large. I'm at the point now where I, I'm drawing everything same size, um, like did some covers and stuff for Marvel and DC in recent years and pretty much did them the same size that they're printed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, what uh, I'm worth, you know, and has the, has your tools that you use, has that changed at all over the years from those early strips? Actually, uh, not really. You know, it's funny. One of the uh, most uh, significant artists in my uh, influenced me is somebody whose art didn't really influence me. That would be Gil Kane. But I was at a comic convention just around the time I was starting all this stuff up um, in the audience. When, and he was up on stage talking about the newspaper strip he was doing at the time, Starhawks. I don't know mm. if you're familiar with it. Did mm-hmm. it with Ron mm-hmm. Goulart. Yep. And it was, yeah. And, and I really liked the way the, uh, the, the line on that looked. I, I always liked his inking. And somebody asked him in New Orleans what it was, what it was. And he said it was uh, Mars 3000 or whatever, rapidographs. 
And so I went out and bought a, uh, a set of rapidographs. And except for a brief period of time when I tried to go back to a brush and then even a worse time when I tried to use a flare pentel, those were bad ideas. Um, I've been using the rapidographs ever since. Nice. Nice. Thank you, Gil. Yeah. And, and when you work, do you, do you sort of lay the, the strips out first and then uh, pencil and then ink or how's, how's the uh, actual work done? Um, well, it depends on what it is actually, but a lot of times I like to, like if it's a cover, Mm -hmm. I like to do it on a piece of uh, typing paper, you know, uh, pencil it and then kind of go over it with a ballpoint pen and until I get it kind of right. And then I, uh, what I think is right anyway, and then kind of trace it off on a piece of paper and make you know, corrections here and there. But if it's just, sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes I just go immediately to penciling and then inking. I would imagine with a lot of those uh, dateline strips that, you know, with how much text there is that you'd have to plan that out. You would be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Really? You just, did you just like, did you, did you fit whatever was in those balloons? Yeah, yeah. It's like okay. I, I mean, in the early days, I just those. If we were talking about the early days, I didn't uh, pre-do those ahead of time. I'm talking about stuff I've done in the last ten, fifteen years or so. But right. the early stuff, I just kind of, you know, just winged it. I mean, and there was a time, <laughs> the second time, you know, because I did this stuff early on, and I went away from the buyer's guide for a while. It changed hands to uh, the Krause people got a bit smaller. And I remember one time I did uh, a strip about uh, I Spy, I believe it was, the DC Showcase comic. And I did a a lot of tight lettering. And I remember the editor said, could you please kind of give more space to the lettering from now on? So I kind of said, oh, yeah, okay. But in the early days, I just sat down with a blank piece of paper, you know, cut it up into panels and Kept going, and hopefully I'd have a finish. Have well, they, the finish. They all do feel like they come from, like, they're co- very conversational. Uh, yes. They feel like they're very much from the heart, um, and they're very authentic. So, um, I mean, that that's great. Uh, if they're not planned, that's even better, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I knew what I was going to, you know, I knew kind of what I wanted to say. What to say, right, what right. I was talking about, but I was... Just kind of go at it as I was making it up as I went along, I guess. Yeah. Because of most of your strips are commentary on what was going on with comics, uh, either at the time or in comic history, reading the omnibus is a great sort of overview of this just vast knowledge and this vast history of, of the comic medium, which is great, but it's also told from your personal point of view. And so you kind of see, well, I understand that you moved a lot because <laughs> like, it seems like every, every few hundred pages or something, you're saying that you're moving to a different place. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> so, um, but, uh, but it seems like, you know, you're having, you went through a lot of, you know, it's from, it's a lot more personal and it's a lot more from, from your life's experience. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. That was the only way I knew how to write this stuff, I suppose. Um I was just recounting how, I mean, I was pretty much 
obsessed with comics. You know, yeah. Until uh, up through my late twenties. Um, like, ever since 1990, when our daughter was born, kind of slipped away as time. Sure. And the comics got more expensive and more, you know, just too interconnected. I, I, I'll admit to say I don't read comics anymore, except the old ones and even them, not that much. But considering I'm always drawing the characters from my cards and I'm watching about a half a dozen, no, half a dozen, a dozen different TV shows starring the people. Uh, they don't, they're still in my life, even if I'm not reading them as constantly as, as I used to the characters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff, of course, you're, you're, you know, very critical of, but I think in a, in a respectful way, I do wonder though, is over the course of all of those, uh, there must've been feathers that were ruffled a few times. Yeah, I think there were. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there was let's see I'm not going to say the name but sure, sure. there was a person who I would see there would be a lot of gatherings you know I live up upsta- lived upstate New York and there would be a lot of gatherings of uh, comic artists at parties and stuff you know you have your Bernie Wrights and you have your uh, Jim Starlin uh, Joe, Joe State and all the other people and there was one person who would always kind of give me a cold shoulder. And I, I couldn't rem- couldn't quite figure out why, because I didn't ever remember saying anything uh, about their comic. But then I went to uh, a signing at a store, and, and the guy who worked there said, you know, I, I just finished reading your, your omnibus yesterday. I said, oh, yeah. I said, did I ever mention, fill in the blank, in there? He said, "Oh yeah, you didn't like it at all." <laughs> and it was <laughs> it was on a cuz it was on a strip there was a brief period where I said changed it to uh LOC or DOC, I don't know, drawing of comment and uh-huh. and it was just my little fred head there with with balloons. So I didn't know what I was talking about cuz I didn't have the nerve to go back and re- not the nerve but <laughs> the patience to go back and reread these things. But apparently I said this comic didn't make a whole lot of sense. And so, um, yeah, that, that happened there. Yeah. Well, well, especially, well, you know, you're in New York too, and it's such a small group. And back then, almost everybody yeah. uh, who was working on comics was in New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I never, man, I, uh, I spent like, I probably went to Marvel four or five times and the same with DC. So mm-hmm. I, I wasn't exactly, you know, hitting the city uh, train, hitting a train to the city or anything. But like I said, there was a pretty big uh, group of people up around here. We used to play volleyball and stuff, and it'd be like uh, once a month there'd be a party. Not anymore, but that that happened for at least 10 years. It's been at least 10 years since that happened. But there was a period there when it was an art community. When was it? Was it surreal or uh, uh, when you actually were working for DC and Marvel? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was surreal to be invited to a party from by Jim Starlin. Hi, this is Jim Starlin. Would you like to come to this party next week? It'll be at Jeff Jones' house. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> that that was that was kind of a surreal. I barely said a word the, the whole time, but after a while, you know, got used to them. And, I, and yeah, I, working for the companies was crazy too. Who would have thought? In fact, yeah. the first thing you know, like I said, I that Iron Man drawing uh page 
which, by the way, they actually reprinted in the a, a Iron Man hardcover Masterworks, which surprised wow. the hell out of me. Someone wow. someone sent me a copy. I went, oh, this is something I didn't expect. They they paid me for that too, thirty five dollars, and I made a photocopy of the check, and just in case it was the one and only one I ever got from Marvel, uh, at least I can say that I got this check. But you know, I did, I made a photocopy because I wanted to cash the check. Yeah, of course, yeah, of course. I had comics to buy. Of course. <laughs> of course. It totally makes sense. And that's that's awesome. And, you know, you said to, like you earlier, you said you are keeping up like with the TV shows and stuff. Yeah. What, what ones are you watching right now? Well, I watch, although I watch all the CW shows. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have Disney Plus, so I don't have that. I, I will tell you, I I had been watching the Marvel Netflix shows mm-hmm. and I liked them. I liked them quite a bit, but I was watching them sequentially, you know, because they kind of played off of one another. Mm-hmm. And when they came up to the Punisher, I said, I don't really want to watch the Punisher. It's going to be kind of violent. Yeah, I'll get to that later. It'll always be on Netflix. And then about the middle of February, I see Netflix is getting rid of the Marvel shows. <laughs> and I went, Oh my God. So, in the next 14 days, I watched 68 episodes. Oh, wow. I know. I didn't watch The Punisher, but I watched two seasons. uh, Daredevil, uh, Luke Cage, and two seasons of Jessica Jones. And it was like like work, but I really enjoyed the shows. But, yeah, that's kind of crazy. I'm not one for binging. I'm not a binging type guy. For me, binging is watching the same show one episode a day for a week. Not watching six episodes in a night, which sure. is what I did to, to finish that up. But I, I enjoyed them. At least I, you know, the the CW shows. Some of them are getting a little tiresome, but I, I hang in there. And yes, I even watch Riverdale. Oh wow! I do too. I do too. I uh, and I and I and now I used to watch anything if it was based on a comic book, even if I didn't read that comic. I used to try to support it, so I would watch it or I would you know support it in some way. Now there's just too many, too much out there. I, I can actually, I, I can't, I can't read or watch all the stuff that's based on comics material now. No way. I know, I know. I'm about eight movies behind on the uh, Marvel. I've been watching all the Marvel. Again, I'd like to watch them sequentially. So mm-hmm. someday I'll get. I hope. I hope the the Avengers can beat Thanos. I hope. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, last the last last movie I saw was Ant Man and the Wasp. So. You're getting there. You're almost yeah. there. You're almost I there. I like that man. I like that man. Cool. Yeah. I like I like, um, I like I like a movie with with laughs. I like some jokes. They're better than the DC movies. They're a little too dour for me. Right. Did you like the oh, Captain Marvel? For Shazam. The Shazam movie. Was you know, awesome. I didn't see Captain Marvel. That's the next one on the list. If I'm to oh. watch them sequent, they they took them off of Netflix and put them on Disney. Right. And I'm like, oh man, I got Netflix, but I don't want to start buying every streaming service there is. So. No, but we may actually get it at some point. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. I've, certainly, I, I, much stuff. I've been <laughs> a lot of my, stuff. Mike Gordon will be very proud of me. I've been power watching Star Girl season two. And oh, I haven't got two yet. I like Star Girl a lot too. Yeah. yeah, I loved it because of all the homages they were doing to the Golden Age, Justice Society, yep. and everything. Yep, which was yep. a ton of fun. Yeah, and you really like it. 
and it's it's so much and they just well i don't want to spoil season two for you because yeah, i'll be quiet because it, it it's <laughs> mike was right he said you're gonna love it you love the justice society and you're oh, gonna, gonna love to see what happens in season two so and eclipso is one of my favorite villains yeah eclipso yes yeah i mean it doesn't hurt that we share the same last name but uh you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> it works out that way um so um as far as uh, your work since this book came out, now I would I would imagine that there's other books at least if they're not published they're coming right. I don't since, know since I mean, the omnibus came out because I would assume there's enough material since that was published to put out another sort of omnibus or something right. Well, no, not really because most of it's been made up with just. Uh drawings I sell on eBay as opposed to strips. Right. Yeah. I, Marvel did come out with a paperback of, of my stuff. So that was a nice collection to put alongside that one. Yes. I yes. I do so. want to get that. I definitely want to get that. I have some of the individual issues and whatnot, but I don't have that complete. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was nice, but that was a few years ago, but I've been, you know, I've been selling uh, car, uh, sketch cards of characters online and uh, it turns out to be a, Bountif- bountifully financially okie doke for me because you know these days if marvel or dc isn't paying you and you want to work for an independent company they go oh, yeah well, how about pencil ink letter and write that page and i'll give you 50 dollars, maybe 75 mm-hmm. like, oh, you know how long that takes you to do and yeah. meanwhile i draw a little yeah so what are you going to do I, and it's hard for I, I still do a strip of uh just to keep the strip going in the tomorrow's comic book creator Pub, uh, publication okay John Cook does. that's the dateline is in there and i do these covers for the comic shop news for their six special issues a year four for the seasons and one for holiday and one for free comic book day in fact i have to do that tomorrow for free comic book day so that's kind of full-size artwork but otherwise i just draw the little cards especially when the the um when the covid hit i didn't want to go to the post office so i uh limited um, my stuff to just doing cards because I can just pop them out in the mailbox out front and the carrier can take them off and mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, leave the house. I don't have to leave the house. That's why when everyone said, oh my God, we all have to stay in. I'm going, yeah, how is this any different than <laughs> what I've been doing for the last 10 years? <laughs> so I was okay you, with that. Well, that's the other thing too. And I'm, I'm, that's another one reason that I'm really appreciative that you're giving us this time because I've, I've done a lot of conventions. I've been to a lot of conventions, but I've never had a chance to meet you or see you. Um, but do you, before COVID, did you do many conventions? Uh, yeah, but you know, I'm a guy who doesn't like to fly. Uh, so I, I pretty much keep myself within driving distance. I think the furthest years ago, I went out to in around 1981, Chicago, and then flew down to uh, Texas for a couple of shows. And we had some air turbulence and I did not uh, like it, and that kind of I was that kind of put me off of flying. Although we would fly down to um, Disney World when our daughter was young, because it was a shorter flight, and it was Disney World. Yeah. Um, but no, my uh, my shows are mostly around uh, the East Coast, and these days not at all. I just been had been going to just Albany. So no, Atlanta. I never got down. No, never went down south. Now that you guys mentioned it, now that I meant, now that you, yeah, you would are always always welcome. Uh, there's, there's an amazing con down here called Dragon Con, 
But oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I actually met you. I was probably ten or eleven years old in Baltimore. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, you're a young guy then. Oh, <laughs> you look like a young guy because no. you know what? Um, yeah, ten or that, that was in two thousand eight or nine. Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't that long ago. No, I met you, I think it was in the 80s. It was at a, one of the creation shows or something like that. Oh, so you, it wasn't at Baltimore? I thought it was Baltimore. But okay, because that was, it could that have was been, 2008 or nine. No, I, huh. it wasn't Baltimore Comic Con. It was something earlier. Oh. It was one of the or maybe I was down there. Who knows? I don't remember. Yeah, it was the creation, one of the creation <laughs> shows or something. It was, I, think it was I like, did some of those, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was... I remember it was just like, you're, you're the guy from the back of the comic book. No, (laughs) (laughs) it was, I hope I wasn't rude. No, you were, you were awesome. You were super awesome. So I try to be super awesome. Well, your, your presence online is super awesome. I mean, every couple days you're, you, you have five characters, you're releasing, showing us five characters in your style, which is awesome. Um, and, uh, and you have a very, uh, unique outgoing birthday message that you provide people. So that's very friendly. We, we appreciate that. Well, I, I, I thank you for that. So it's become every year on, uh, December 31st, I go, Oh my God, I got to think of something for tomorrow. (laughs) And cause I use it all year. No offense to you guys, but, uh, but at least I put people's names in it, you know. I mean, I don't just Absolutely. copy and paste it. I give you a little name check too. No, but, it, uh, it's very friendly, very cool. It's very cool to get that. It's like I, I feel like look forward to that. I don't. I don't really participate a lot in you know uh, groups and right. writing stuff on people's walls. But I, so I feel like because you folks, people have wanted to be on, be my friend on Facebook. I should at least acknowledge them on their birthday. So that's. That's one of my one of my rules. That's awesome. It's awesome. And as far as the cards that you are doing, um, you've been doing for a few years now. Um, is there any method to picking what subjects, or is it sort of just random, whatever that day? Um, yeah, it's kind of like, well, what haven't what haven't I done for a while? You know, <laughs> right. and, uh, sometimes uh, yesterday and today, I got obsessed with doing. Uh, Supergirl uniforms back uh, when she had a different uniform every issue around 1970. And and people seem to like the Supergirl cards, so why not do Mm -hmm. more of them? So that's kind of fun. Every so often, I'll try something totally out there. Like I did a a couple of years ago, I did Atari Force. Remember Atari Force from DC? Oh, yeah. Remember Atari Force, yeah. I did those characters, and then someone like bought them all up and wrote wrote and said, Oh, can you do the other Atari Force cards? Uh, Because it was a group, you know. So I did them, and and I put them up, and then that person bought them. I waited about a year or so, and I did some more Atari Force cards. Nobody wanted them because it was like, Ah, I found the one guy who wanted them, and he bought them. And I I managed to get rid of the two or three I did, but I said, Okay, no more Atari Force cards. So you just never know. I guess that's the the sort of double edged sword, right? Of of doing these obscure characters. You're, you you hopefully you'll find somebody's like finally someone this is doing this character. I want I'm going to buy that. And then or it's too obscure and nobody sees yeah. it, right? Or nobody yeah. recognizes him. Because there is a, a lot of times where I'm looking at those cards that you do and I'm like I don't know who half these people are. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you it's always those... fun to guess. You remember those things that Marvel and DC came out with the Who's Who and the Absolutely. Oh yeah, I of have, course. I have mine. Yeah, those that are was my right Bible, my, right at the foot of my drawing board. 
And that's what I use. And of course, there's newer versions of stuff. And for that, you use Google Images. And I go, who's that? You know, and I say, oh, it looks interesting. And then I'll put them up there. It's I maybe, I don't know if this is true or not, but I may have drawn more different characters than anybody else uh, ever. I, you know, I, I would believe that. I, mean, I would absolutely believe that. I mean, because cards. you've been doing those, you've been doing those for a few, quite a number of years now. So yes, I don't I, know if you keep track of them. Try to branch out and try some new stuff. I have a pile of uh, Planet of the Apes comics there. Cause some, but I've never actually drawn a Planet of the Apes character. I said, I got to use, I need to do that sometime, but I don't know. Animals. I, I just don't draw well animals very well, but you know, maybe this will inspire me because you guys are big Planet of the Apes fans, aren't you? Of course. I, yeah, sure. Yeah, of course you are. Of course. <laughs> of course. Isn't, there, isn't there everybody, Fred? Come on. Who, who doesn't oh. like apes? Apes used to sell comics, right? So no, apes and dinosaurs. <laughs> exactly. And apes fighting dinosaurs is even better. That's the best. That's the best. Very cool. Well, Mike, I think I think he's warmed up enough. I think he's ready for the Geek Seat questions. If you want to roll those out. Hold on. Let me unroll them. All right. We got them. <laughs> We're ready for them. Fred, you ready for your first question in the Geek Seat? Oh, I'll give it a shot. All right. Fred, what was your favorite? What was your favorite geek out moment? Well, when I uh, was when I in my mid to late 20s, I was sitting in a dark movie theater and on came the first few seconds of the Superman the movie. And I was just like I've always wanted to see something really good based on comic books. I mean, the Superman TV show was great, but it really wasn't like the comic books. But at least this movie was going to come closer to what I wanted. And I just love that opening. I guess they were uh, opening up a comic book and then you see the Daily Planet thing or something. And then the big lettering comes out and it, it just knocked me out. So that was that was wonderful. That was my favorite. Oh, I was nine years old at the time. So yeah, I could totally understand that. And yeah. you were... The same, it was just like, and you know, you saw the, the daily plan with the, the spinning deal at the, wor- the yes. words. That was just awesome. That was awesome. What was your most disappointing geek out moment, though? Uh, this, uh, I was 13 years old Uh-oh. and I had spent the entire day, January 12th, 1966, uh, in the seventh grade, telling all my friends, counting down because that night the Batman TV show was going to debut. And I could not wait. I was just so excited. I wanted to see this in the worst way. And it came on. And I liked the cartoon uh, opening. And I wasn't up- too upset with the story. It was directly taken from a comic book that uh, that was uh, came out a year or so earlier with a Riddler. It was all right. But in the final five minutes, Batman went into a discotheque. And the... the uh, Maitre D, who's by the way, was the same voice as the um, narrator, which I thought was kind of stupid, said, Batman, can I t- check your cape, Batman? Which was strike one, but then he started doing the Batusi. Yeah. And, uh, and that was it. No. That was, yeah, but that, there's probably a strike three there somewhere. But, and of course, I went along with it like, oh, yeah. But the next day, all my friends went, oh, look at that stupid show. You know, because I was, I thought it was going to be something uh, dramatic. So, you know, I did watch the Batman show for the, cause I was a kid and what else was there to do? But I tried to go back to it. I, and I, I just can't, I just, it just, it broke my heart. That's why Superman, the movie was so good. 
because the Batman TV show was so bad. And I know people my same age who just love that show, but I, and, you know, who are comic book artists and stuff, and you think that they'd be embarrassed by it too. You guys probably love it, but uh, it just went the wrong way for me. That's all. Definitely very a generational thing. Very disappointed. Definitely a generational thing. And most people, the most comic yeah. fans, Batman fans I know who were Batman fans before the show came out, um, we're not fans of the show, but anybody who kind of grew up with the show, like myself, right? Yeah, it was our yeah. it was our way in, you know. Mm. So, it was your gateway, basically. Yeah. If I was a little younger, I probably would have dug it. Or if I was a little older, I would have just went, uh huh. But I was <laughs> at the right age where I wanted it to be stand for something perfect, and it wasn't. Right. Yeah, we have to wait a little bit longer until we got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What geeks you out the most? Um, you know. It's not comics. It's Beatles. I love the awesome. Beatles. Did you like the new uh, documentary that they did? Oh, you haven't seen it. You don't have Disney. No, I Disney. haven't seen that. You don't have Disney. I, oh. I, I, did, I did read that it's coming out on DVD, though. Okay. So I'm, I'm probably going to be grabbing oh, that if I don't. You are yeah. so going to love it. You, I know. We sat there Absolutely. riveted and everything. It was just, I'm, it felt like you were right in that room. It was just, it was just awesome. Was I, so I'm awesome. actually looking forward to seeing what your opinion is on it. So, very cool. What turns your geek off? Pardon me, sir? What turns your geek off? What turns my geek off? Uh, I don't know what to turn my geek off. Uh, I'm going to have to pass on that one. I don't know how to answer that's okay. that That's okay. Yeah. You don't have to. My geek is always on. That's true. <laughs> it's impossible to turn off. There you go. That's my answer. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Fictional character would I like to meet the most? Um, well, mm, he's met yeah. a lot. Yes, he has. <laughs> he's killed a couple of them too. You know, <laughs> Peter Parker. Hmm, that's very awesome. The original Peter Parker. The original Peter Parker. The Ditko Peter the, Parker. The, the Ditko and Lee Peter Parker, right? Yes. Yeah. That is did awesome. you did you ever get a chance to meet Steve Ditko? No, I did not. Ah, he, he, that's too bad. I, I went one of the few times I went to DC Comics. Uh, I went there with my friend Joe Staten, and Joe said um, I have to go into uh, me and Jack Harris, the editor, to do some business. So would you mind waiting out here in the uh, in the waiting room? And I said, Oh, sure. And I sat there for a few minutes, and some people came and went, and they and when uh, Joe and Jack came back out, they said, Did you see him? Did you see him? I said, What do you mean? Steve Ditko, he came in and then he went back out. So he passed by me and I saw him, but I didn't know it. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 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 What fixture character would you not like to meet? Um, there's plenty of those. I, you know, Dr. Doom wouldn't be one I'd like to hang out with. Wow. Um, even uh, Venom. How about Venom? Yeah. Venom? I could see that. I can yeah. see that. Definitely not. Definitely. Any super villain. Okay. Any super villain, uh, you know, who's worse than uh, the Clue Master. I don't know. <laughs> kite Man, you know, or something. Kite Man. Yeah. <laughs> Go fly a kite man. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what is your favorite geek word, fra- quote, or phrase? Mm. Well, you know, I don't know if it's a geek quote, but. It's the old, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't know if that qualifies, but it's... Oh, very much so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, very, very much so. 
Nope. That's, you know, that's one of the classics and it's, it's, you know, and I don't think that's one of them that just can't be beat actually, truthfully. It's yeah, I think really actually strong. someone said it before Stan, but that's okay. He popularized it. Yeah. What is your ideal geek occupation? Um, being a rich cartoonist. <laughs> nice. I love it. So I don't know if I'll ever get to that, but you know, yeah, being uh, Todd McFarlane, right? Oh yeah. Have your toy companies and your baseballs and all that stuff. Is he still baseballs? Yeah. I don't know if they're some? worth as much now. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> they got uh, devalued. Devalued as the years go on. What geek occupation would you not like to do? Gee, I don't know. What's a, what other geek occupations are there? Oh. Um, I don't know. Uh, Usually it's number one is like uh, people who work on computers or something like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say... Uh, Janitor at uh, that's at Marvel Comics. I don't know. That's that that's a good. Sense. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's right. yeah, no. It's no reason you shouldn't be a janitor. Just don't want yeah. to be at Marvel Comics. <laughs> I see. I don't know. Janitor <laughs> to the stars. Janitor to, <laughs> janitor to the stars. Right. <laughs> now there's an idea for a strip. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right, Fred. Are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? You've, oh, done great. Yeah. You've done great so far. And you were okay. worried about it before. You know? I was. I only had two prepared answers. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, a lot of it's come true, which, oh, okay. It was a fan. Well, I don't know if it's a fantasy since it came true. But all these years, when everything in the world, it seemed like was being republished, all the great stuff, every EC comic, every you know, spirit comic, every, uh, every little Lulu comic. God, I love little Lulu comics. Those are my favorite. But the one thing I always, always wanted to see, and they finally did it, was when Marvel published in two volumes all these Steve Ditko five-page strips uh, that were in the back of the Tales of Suspense, Tales to Astonish, all those, all those books. Oh, wow. I love those stories. Those stories uh, stuck with me more than the, you know, Thor stories and those issues or the Iron Man, you know, 1961, 62 ones. I, I just love those things. So my, my greatest fantasy came true. I guess I have other fantasies, but they're not for this um, broadcast. <laughs> yeah. We try to stay somewhat friendly, friendly. That's right. <laughs> when I think of fantasies, I'm not really thinking, ooh, no. I, I, what can I have? But that was something I always wanted, and it took them forever, but they finally came out with it two years ago. That is awesome. Well, Fred, I've got great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Huzzah. Yes, the Geek Seat was more comfortable than I thought it would be. <laughs> Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $86.04. Well, there you go. That'll put that. Maybe I will be a rich cartoonist. <laughs> Maybe. It's, well, only, it's only in station currency. I'm sorry to oh, say. Well, okay. the, closer, the closer you get to Earth, it gets. Yeah, we'll not talk about it. But anyway, um, 
Fred, it's been so amazing to have you join us. Um, anything that you else you want to say about uh, what's going on with you right now and that you want people to know about? No, I'm just, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in seeing my artwork, it's on Facebook every day. And I, I post it on uh, what you would call eBay, which I sell mm-hmm. for the prices are fair. Very fair. Unless they get bid up, in which case I'm happy, but people <laughs> aren't happy. But I, I have been outbid a few times, I will say. Uh, yes. <laughs> I feel sorry for you, but happy for me. So, <laughs> exactly. If you know what I'm saying. I know exactly what you're saying. You know, sometimes I, some of my regular customers are like, oh, would you, would you do this certain drawing? And I go, oh, yeah, okay, I put it up. And then they got outbid, and I feel sorry for them. But then they go, oh, but I did okay, and then I'm happy. So you know, <laughs> just try to keep the level head there. So, yeah, I'm just out there doing my thing, whatever that thing is. And every so often you can see me on the Comic Shop News and the Comic Book Creator. Gotcha. And we will and have links to – we have links to that, uh, also your Facebook page and uh, your uh, eBay account so that people can check out your stuff. Yeah, I'm on the internet. And I'm no Twitterer, and I'm not Instagramming, and I'm not TikToking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old guy. I just do Facebook. I don't have MySpace anymore, but, you know, what are you going to do? Well, we are very glad you do. And we're very glad that you joined us. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate you guys having enough interest to invite me onto your program, and I thank you, Mike, and I thank you, Mike. Fred, it's been an honor to have you here. It really is. Thank you for everything you've done from the little kid inside of me to now. We so appreciate you. Yeah, we're still disappointed when we get to the back of comics now. Yeah. (laughs) We're disappointed. (laughs) Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment and we're going to close out the show. Welcome to a Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about Turning Red. Pixar's newest movie is available to watch on Disney+, and it's a really, really fun watch. I absolutely loved Turning Red. Having a movie center around a young girl who is going through life changes, wanting to spend time with her friends, and having an overbearing mother who she doesn't want to let down, it was a movie that I resonated with a whole bunch. Turning Red is the story of May, an 8th grade girl growing up in Toronto. Her family owns a shrine and maintains it. She has a close relationship with her mother. However, she is getting older. May starts to realize she wants to spend more time with her friends. However, she also doesn't want to let her mother down. May also finds out that all the women in her family are cursed to turn into a red panda. But the curse can be fixed with a ritual. May seems to really love her red panda form, after the initial scare of it, that is. She uses her friends as a way to ground herself to help her be able to control the red panda and to be able to turn into one or back into her normal human form. This movie got a lot of criticism because it mentions periods, which really, really made me laugh because truthfully, that is something that all kids should learn about. Understanding the human body is a good thing and understanding that our bodies are different is a good thing. I really love the parallels with puberty and May's red panda form. I also love the boy band in this film and the songs written for them. They're super catchy. They were written by Billie Eilish, and they're just so much fun to sing along to and to dance to. Turning Red is an incredible film, and I really wish Disney had done what they were going to do originally, and I wish they had given it the theatrical release it deserved because this film is fantastic and it would have done great in theaters. 
Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Hey, you know how you don't have any friends? It's fine. The Flopcast will be your friend. Your weird podcast friend. Join us on The Flopcast every week for a silly conversation about cartoons, music, comic books, chickens, and obscure 80s pop culture trivia that no one, literally no one, could possibly care about. Find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. It'll be our little secret. That's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. It was a true classic. Fred was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mike, for putting this together. My pleasure. It was a pleasure to talk to Fred. And also, let's give, of course, a big shout out and thank you to Kevin and Robert for joining us for comic book trivia earlier in the show was a ton of fun and of course you can find kevin up on the flopcast he's part of the eso network and robert of course you could find at borderlands comics in greenville south carolina and in literally a week and a half we are going to be up in greenville also and we are going to be at the south carolina comic-con definitely check it out stop by our tables say howdy it'll be great to see everybody it's always great to do that show and you know it's just been a great show tonight. I'm just like floating. I'm like on like a, a Fred Hembeck high. That's it. A Fred Hembeck high. All right, Mr. Mike, what do you got to shout out about this week? Uh, well, since we're so comic focused, uh, you know, the, the life's blood of the comic book industry are the retailers. I'm sure that, you know, our guest Robert could easily tell you that. Um, so, and they are awarded, um, uh, rewarded just like uh, a lot of other, uh, folks are at the in the comic book industry at the uh, Eisner Awards. So the Eisner Awards have something that's called the Retailer Award, uh, the Spirit of Comics Retailer Award, and anybody can nominate their favorite store uh, for this award. So we're going to have a link in our show notes, but you can go to um, ComicCon.org um, under um, Eisner awards and find out more information but like i said we'll have a link to it but basically if there's a comic book store that you feel that everybody should know about that feels that goes above and beyond and it really helps promote comics then uh feel free to nominate them and and hopefully they uh will be up for the award it you know i think it's a great thing there's been a lot of stores a lot of great stores all over the place uh, that have gotten this award and it's just a nice thing, a nice way you can give back to a lot of comic shops because most of them, most of them are mom and pop shops, independent stores that worked their butts off day in and day out. A lot of them struggled very, very much during the pandemic are still struggling and could use everything that they can uh, get as far as rewards, uh, awards and recognition. So um, I strongly suggest uh, reach out if you have a local comic shop. Uh, make sure that they're on the ballot so that people can uh, recognize them. No, very much so. That is awesome. They're a true, true honor to be able to be part of. And these people who win them every year are true talents. And it's awesome to see what comes out of it because a lot of folks who we see in comics and such almost you know monthly – 
get honored and it's their it's basically their academy awards it's their oscars it's their you know grammys and everything it's pretty cool yeah the great thing about the eisners is that um you know for most of the awards that the, you know that the comic creators get the comic professionals uh are the ones who vote for those categories but with this one with the retailer award the spirit of comics retailer award it's actually you can nominate it like anybody can nominate a store and uh the voting will then take place i think anybody can vote on those too so so it's much more open as far as i mean it 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 takes into account the actual customers which also are the readers and it's one of the few awards that does that so um it is a great honor to get an eisner um and i hope that one day i'm even considered but uh you know, until that day comes, uh, I'm glad to recommend uh, a couple stores that I think um, deserve it. Mm. Oh, very much so. It's it's awesome. You know, comic book stores, you know, go through waves. And there's some stores, though, that have survived the wave. And, you know, because, you know, the industry goes up, the industry goes down. And a lot of times when the industry goes down, comic book shops fade away because they don't have the market or the customer base to hold on. But there's some shops that have been around for over 50 years. It's pretty amazing when you find some of these legacy shops and everything and you go in there and the history and such, instead of going to some of these shops that opened like in the last couple years that are just in to make a buck from uh, the alternate covers and stuff and the folks there don't know their stuff you i'd rather go to a comic book store where everybody knows all the different material that's in there everyone knows oh this is the first appearance of so and so in this issue or so you want to go and have I used to love when I was a kid going into comic shops and there were people just staying in the comic shop all day and just they'd be talking about comics, kind of like what we do here on the podcast. Hmm. And it's pretty awesome, you know, when you have that kind of stuff. And that's the, that's the sign of a true classic shop. And, you know, when you could find that, it's pretty darn awesome. So it's pretty cool. So, and actually, you know, I might just throw this in. I'm going to be going to a comic shop that I've always wanted to go visit um, in June. I'll be going up to New Jersey and to a one of my cousin's weddings, and it's going to be on the Jersey Shore. So I am finally going to be making my way to Jay and Silent Bob's Secret Stash, Secret Stash in yeah. Red Bank, New Jersey. <laughs> so I have been dying. I've been to the West Coast one when that he had a store in Los Angeles when I was out there. But that story didn't last all that long, sadly enough. But I'm looking forward to actually make it to Jay and Silent Bob's in the original. Well, it's not the original anymore because they've moved within the last year or so, I think. But it's pretty cool. So definitely, you know, if you get a second, go appreciate your local comic shop, folks. These people are doing the God's work. They're giving you comics. Come on. They're selling you the greatest stuff out there. So, you know, to me when I was a kid... Comic books were like crack. It was pretty darn awesome. They're so, still like that to me. Yeah, oh, I know. I've <laughs> seen I've seen your comic boxes sitting right next to you, sir. I do understand. So definitely, folks, it's you know a great way to you know celebrate and stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, that's going to be my shout out. You know, I was 
I was thinking, was I going to talk about what happened on the Academy Awards last night? No. No, 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 no. Uh, congratulations to everyone who won, though. Um, I was very happy about what won the best documentary. I was actually thrilled to see what won for that. And, I, you know, most of the other ones, I didn't really have a, you know, card in this year's Academy Awards. So, you know, it was good to, you know, I watched the highlights. But after, you know, we, when after we got done what we were doing last night. So, you know, it's not like, well, now it's like must-watch TV. But, you know, <laughs> since everyone's talking about it today. But it was not, you know, it usually was like growing up when I used to be in the movie industry or when I used to own my movie theater. It was like, oh, yeah, I got to watch the Academy Awards. Got to do this. Not anymore. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's kind of scary at least. That it's not like that anymore. It's almost like a shadow of what it used to be. Oh, well. That's life. Boom. Anyway, so join us next week when we are back. And, folks, we got a good one for you next week. We got a science episode next week. Science! That's right. We are going to be talking about stuff we thought we would have in the future when we were kids that we don't have today. <laughs> So we thought we would have flying cars. We thought we would have teleporters. We thought we would have food replicators. Some, you know, stuff like that. But instead, we got the iPhone. You know, hey, I'm not complaining. You know, well, a little bit, maybe a little bit. But we'll get into that some next week. So it should be a ton of fun. But until then, of course, my name is Mike Faber, and of course, Mr. Mike Gordon. And as always, thank you for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find us at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now TuneIn Radio. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself and everyone else involved with Earth Station One, thank you again for listening. We'll see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and folks, pray for peace. We really need it. We're out of here. Ciao. Boom. We're done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.